Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stink and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Schlereth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. Well, Mark, you tell me, what, what would you expect from the Vancouver Canucks tonight? Coming in here after losing yesterday 10-7. to 10-7. In Minnesota yesterday, a game in which they were up comfortably 5-2, to two, and then they gave up six goals in the span of five minutes and 45 seconds. Zuccarello centers. Erickson it scores! Rebound loose. It's still loose. No whistle. Zuccarello trying to dig it loose. A pile up in front of the blue paint. Still no whistle. Boldy got a stick on it. It comes free to the circle. Into the middle. Zuccarello. They score! Zuccarello. Erickson scores! The hat trick makes it 6 5 Minnesota. They score! It went off of Rossi in the slot and deflects by to Smith. It's 7 5 Minnesota. Foley circles the wraparound. Kaprizov scores! Six goals in 5 minutes and 12 seconds. It's 8 5. Wow. Wow is right. So, what do you expect from the Canucks tonight? Well, you expect them to have a little pride. Come out and... I mean, you did mention that. Pride they are, or shell-shocked? Well, no, I mean, I imagine they were shell-shocked last night, but a little pride today come out here and, you know, squelch the uprising, so to speak. What you Wouldn't you expect their, like, their focus to be... Such that I'm sure they, I'm sure they had a little. Uh, let's figure this thing out. You don't think there's a hangover from a loss like that? No. That lingers for a while, especially 24 hours later. No, I I expect you to try to wash the taste out of your mouth right off the bat. Well, yeah, you'd say that you say that, but sure, it's what you what you're sub. They, they are you. They got 80 points to they have 72. Yeah, right? they're a top team in the Western Conference. Top team right in now. the Western Conference. You don't think they. You don't think they got to be the top team in the Western Conference because every time something bad happened, they just rolled over and sucked their thumb for three games. Well, they'll be curious to watch. I'm very curious to see how they respond. All right. That, that'll be an interesting one after losing a game that you just don't. When that thing, when that went flashed across the crawl last night, I, went, I did a double take. I'm like, what? 10 to 7? 10 to 7? Is that, what is that? Is that? Was that a college baseball game? Minnesota, Vancouver? No, it was hockey. 10 yeah. to 7. Second down. Could we be looking at the early days of a potential Gabe Landeskog comeback? Not only uh, was Gabe with the team during parts of the trip, uh-huh. he was out there skating the other day, and more than just a twirl. You know, I've I watched Gabe Landeskog. You know, remember last year he was doing some skating, and it was like, hey, Gabe skating. It was like, come on, he's not really skating. He's skating like. You right. know, all of us out there, if we'd be, you know, taking a little twirl on the ice. But over the weekend, he was he was he was skating something that looked close to NHL type skating. And uh, according to uh, uh, some of the folks that that cover the team, the Avalanche are letting it be known that they are cautiously optimistic about a possible Gabe Landeskog return. Now it goes without saying that would be huge if you're getting back Gabe Landeskog. Mark, you have been skeptical throughout. Where would you put the odds 
still, even with what you're hearing this weekend, of Gabe coming back in time for the playoffs? Where would you put it? 5%. 5%? That's it? Do you really think... Oh. If he really were close to coming back, as secretive as the National Hockey League is about injuries and about everything, and they are... They're giving no information. They're just not handing out information. Why all of a sudden is this information being handed out? Seriously, what, like, what is... So you, you think that... Dude, they won't say, hey, he's got a knee injury. They'll say it's a lower body thing. Right. Upper body thing. Right. Right? Well, in this case... There's, there's no secrets to be kept. We've we've no, known I, for a long time. I understand that. But they kept all those secrets last year. Well, like, what's the benefit of releasing this news right now? Do you really What if it's what if it's just being honest? What well, okay, you you seem to think that there's some kind of ulterior motive here. What what is that? Well, I'm just saying What's that ulterior motive then? If, what if, if there is one. Okay, what if it's just being honest? Mm-hmm. That's the, that that's an oxymoron with the NHL. It's like jumbo shrimp or military intelligence. <laughs> They're never honest. Right. They never tell you what's going on. They don't typically know. So but in this case, bad road trip. You know, haven't really addressed some of the issues that uh, haven't really addressed some of the issues that you know the hockey guys out there know need to be addressed. Haven't figured out the second line center. You know, Val is out. Hey, here's a little bit of good news, people. So this is a, a distraction. Yes. Interesting. Okay. 5% you put out on a return. That's Five. that's, you know, that's on my scale. Tell you what, you have you've got to be absolutely sure before you put him back into a lineup just in time for 100 mile an hour NHL playoff hockey. You're still talking about somebody who has 5 years left on his contract. Five years and about 35 million bucks guaranteed. Five years. Taking him through age 36. you got to be absolutely positive that he's ready to come back and not have any kind of setbacks. Bears watching. Third down. NBA All-Star game. All-Star weekend. At this point, I mean, are, are you... Are you upset? Are you are you are you banging the table for All Star games to to go away, for them to do something different? What, where are you at now? After a weekend in which Anthony Edwards of the uh, Timberwolves came out and said nobody wants to compete, we're here on a break. It's like a it's like a, a vacation for us. Nobody wants to compete. Kawhi Leonard came out and said fundamentals. Fundamentals went out of the NBA a long time ago. Jalen Brown came out of the Celtics and said he disagrees with the 65-game threshold for being able to uh, win postseason awards. He thinks it should be 58. So he honestly believes that you can, you should be able to miss uh, 24 games out of an 82-game season and still be eligible to win, let's say, the MVP award. Right, so what is going like on with a, these guys? Do these guys want to work? Like a quarter of, you should be able to miss a quarter of the games, essentially. Is that what he's saying about more than that. Much more than that. You can miss 20. He's saying, he's saying you can miss 24 out of, 80, out of 82. So it's not quite a third, but it's somewhere between a third and, and a quarter. We're not doing math today. 
I'm just telling you. I know. Because at 20, it would be oh, 20, boy. 40, 60, 80. Right. Right? That would be quarters, right. essentially. Somewhere between 24. 33% and, and 25%. About 27%. I mean, more than, 30, more than 33%. What? It's yes. more than 33%. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's about... Yeah. What's 24? 24, 48, 72, and you still got 10 games left. That's more than a third. It's less than a third. Of the, you, he wants to be able to miss less than a third. He wants to be able to miss about 27% of the games. Is it 27% now? I just didn't All do right, that sounds good. It's the, more than a quarter. One, two, three. Fourth down. We'll figure it out during the break. Maybe. Somebody on the text line knows oh, yeah. exactly what, exactly right, so what if he, that is. So if he says he, he's okay, that, that players should be able to miss... Uh, 24. Tw- well, he's saying f- they should play, be able to play in 58 games. So that means you can miss, yeah, 24 games and still be eligible to win the award. Stu says it's 30%. 30%, okay. I'll check that, Stu. I'm not 100%. Finally, guess what the uh, leading odds are for Russell Wilson where his next team is? Le- this? Leading odds. Leading odds. Can I guess? Yes, that's what I'm asking. All right, I would guess number one is the Steelers. That's correct. The odds on Russell Wilson's next team being the Steelers have gone from being plus 1,400 to minus 110. Mm-hmm. Take that for data. So Steelers right now looking to be the heavy favorite to land Russell Wilson. Be a good place for him. Yeah. But wait a minute. They drafted a first-round quarterback. Right. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, it was 20 overall. Though. Doesn't matter. It was the first-round quarterback. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm always told. For all you, first-round first quarterbacks, round quarterback. they all go to the playoffs and they all win championships. Okay. We shall uh, see where Russ ends up. But uh, that is Four Down Territory, our tour around the uh, NFL and, uh, well, local landscape. Coming up, coming up, a uh, former Bronco, a popular Bronco, and somebody who is very close to Sam Darnold, Talked about what uh, Darnold could bring to an NFL team. Maybe the Broncos? You'll hear it next. Ever since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my hiding spots. Ha! Found ya. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay with stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. I say congratulations. Sorry, talking about it during the break. This is uh, Johnny Fever brought it to our attention. Today's the day that you could start franchise tagging players. We uh, looked at some of the Bronco free agents that would be, I guess, eligible for the franchise tag. But here you go. Josie Jewell. The franchise tag number for linebackers is almost $23 million. Yeah. For offensive linemen like Lloyd Cushenberry, it's $20 million. And even for a kicker like Will Lutz, it's uh, it's $6 million. But, I mean, why, why in the world would you you franchise tag Jewel or, or Cush 
and give them the possibility of saying, sure, I'll, I'll come back and play for one year at $22, 23000000 million per. Right. Sign me up. I can't imagine them. I mean, they've got from now until what, March 5th, I think? 5th, I think, yeah. I can't imagine them no. franchising anybody with the salary cap you know, implications and the things they're going to have to do to manipulate. I can't imagine them using the franchise tag at all. Now I could see them trying to, you know, cut a long-term deal with a Will Lutz or a Cush or whatever, but then not 19 million bucks a year. By the way, something to keep in mind, I know the fear mongers out there, you know, love to go on and on about how the uh, Broncos are just going to be absolutely, uh, cash strapped uh, from a salary cap standpoint and it's going to be nearly impossible to even put a football team together uh, uh, because of the Russell Wilson cap hit something else to keep in mind uh even before I I share this news with you remember that uh four of the top 5 teams last year in terms of dead cap money made the playoffs so it wasn't like those teams yeah. Were, were hamstrung to the point where they, they just couldn't compete for the top five, made the playoffs. But something else to keep in mind, the uh, salary cap is expected to go up a whopping $25 million for next season. So the cap this year was at about two hundred twenty-five. It's expected to be around two fifty Now, so everybody gets an extra $25 million of cap space. Would it be great to be able to be, if you're the Broncos, to be able to use that money to go out and... You know, go find players, sure, but at least you can look at it. Silver lining is that that's twenty five extra million dollars on the cap that you can kind of cut away from the Russell Wilson dead cap number, sure, which kind of mitigates some of the overall, uh, you know, disastrous feel of carrying that number around. Again, the the you you mentioned it, and I agree with you. The the fear mongers. Like, the cap is so fungible. Like, you can figure out a way around the cap. And as you mentioned, four of the top five dead cap money teams in the National Football League, like the Rams and some of the other teams, made the playoffs. So let's not act like, listen, when a team says, hey, when a team claims cap poverty and the fact that we can't get this guy signed, it, it the truth of the matter is we don't want him. Like, we're not putting a ring on that. And because if they want you, they'll manipulate the cap and figure out a way to get you signed. So I, I just don't I don't have the same fear when you say, hey, we got a lot of dead cap, you know, because I believe the Broncos are one of those teams in the National Football League that truly believe in in wanting to win and, and competing for championships. Now, they've, they've fallen on hard times and they've made a lot of crap decisions over the last seven, eight years, but I truly believe ownership and everything else is in place to to rectify those things. So no cap. I uh, I give you credit. If this ends up happening, you're you're gonna be able to take a bow because you were among the first people to to start banging the drum for the Broncos to go after Sam Darnold, uh-huh. who has uh, spent some football rehab in San Francisco, working closely with old friend Brian Greasy, who uh left at the T V booth where he was doing amazing work. Uh, to get into the grind of coaching, quarterback coach for the uh, 49ers. He talked to our Andrew Mason at the Super Bowl about Sam Darnold. Then Sam has, has checked his ego at the door. Sam's an outstanding player. He's got a lot of talent um, and is going to play really good football in this league. Um, 
And, and Sam came to us and, and wanted to come and learn our offense and get some stability and foundation under his feet because um, he hadn't had a lot of stability under his feet. And I think that's what we talked about when he came here, and I think that's what he's gotten. And he's continued to work. When he's had his opportunities gone and played well for us, um, and who knows what his opportunities are going to be going forward, but I think he's a better football player. How about that for an endorsement? Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk to anybody inside that 49ers organization, and they are effusive in their praise for Sam Darnold, and that includes Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy will sit and tell you, that guy has meant more to me in that room and getting me prepared week in and week out than just about anybody. And... He had other opportunities. He had more money on the table to go elsewhere. He chose San Francisco because he understood, man, I need to learn an actual pro football offense, and I need to get myself in a in a position. You know, the same people right now, Mike, that are saying, oh, we don't want Sam Darnold. He's a washout. He was a bust as a first-rounder. Are the people that are saying, look at all the first-rounders that played in, you got Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield. Those are the same people. So all it takes is a little rehab, being in the right situation, skill set wise. That dude is that dude is. I mean, athletically gifted, arm talent wise gifted. He is smart. He just has not been in a true NFL style offense, and he got you know he got put in a place in in New York where let's face it, everybody goes to you know everybody has gone to their careers to just roll over. Coming up, we've got uh, what's trending for you. Nikola Jokic getting the ultimate endorsement. And Jay Williams. Jay Will. Man, you were on the fan last year. We loved you for all your basketball coverage. But, dude, what's wrong with you? As you'll hear what he had to say over the weekend. Up next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. In the uh, age of Jokic that the NBA is now living in, finally, uh, people are coming around and recognizing how uh, how great this guy is. But over the weekend, I think, I think, I think, just this is my personal opinion, I think he got the ultimate endorsement from one Larry Bird. I would love to play against him. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. He's yeah, good, right? He's good. There's so many great centers over the history of our game. Uh-huh. Man, is he good. I just hope he stays healthy and able to continue to do what he does. When Larry sits back and goes, man, he's good. And well, you, can just, where, you can just tell. You can just hear the admiration Where do you think the whole, voice. I would have loved to play against him. Just because he's, Larry just has so much respect for how good he is. I, I think that he, Larry Bird was like Jokic in that, they, they both see the game two, three moves ahead. Right. I think he would be, it'd be like the, it'd be like if you're a great chess player and you look forward to playing chess against somebody that, you know, sees the board, sees the game the same way you do. Yeah. It would be a battle of wits that you would just be like, you'd be so fired up for that, that, that opportunity, that challenge. I think there's an old school nature that Larry just completely respects about the way Jokic shows up, plays every game, battles under the boards, has that physicality plus that understanding of the game. Like Larry looks at him and goes, 
He may be the only guy in the NBA currently constructed that could have played with us in the 80s. Ooh. Okay. Everybody else is too soft. Okay. I see what you're saying. That there's there's, there's, a, a, there's, there's a, a, almost a reverence. There's a nod to, hey, your game your game fits in any yeah. any era. I love you know, I love the the new school, the youngsters out there, they're like, oh, the guys in Larry Bird, he couldn't have played in the NBA. Not like it is today. Dude, you guys wouldn't play 22 games. They'd be begging to, 15 games should be the max that you have to play to be an all-star. Oh, yeah. None of this is 65 games. That's not fair. Poor Jalen Brown would be, wait a minute, I got to play four games in five nights and I got to travel commercial? Right. I got to carry my own bags? And playing Chuck Taylors? Come on now. Give me a break. Come on now. All right, what what what's up with Jay Williams? Jay Williams, uh, ESPN commentator, former Dukey, mm-hmm. was uh, talking about Caitlin Clark, who set the new uh, NCAA women's scoring record. Right. Had this to say: I am unwilling, and maybe it's more the the Kobe mentorship around me, to say that she is great. Yet I think she is the most prolific scorer the game has ever seen. I hold great or the levels of immortality or the pantheon to when you win championships. So Caitlin Clark isn't great, huh, Jay, Jay Will? So unless you win a, a college basketball championship, you're not a great college basketball player. So let's see if let's see if we can apply this to uh some uh some players that we watched over the years in college. So Larry Bird was not a great college basketball player. Charles Barkley was not a great college basketball player. Okay, just just start yeah. plucking names out of the uh, the atmosphere here. Just just college basketball players who never won a championship, therefore were, was not a great college basketball player. What what, what is this problem? What, what, where's this coming from? What's he what's he saying here? Caitlin Clark's not great. Yeah, she's. I mean, because she doesn't have a championship. I mean, you you can't become the most prolific scorer in college basketball history, both men and women's. If you're not great, she hasn't she hasn't usurped uh, um, Pistol Pete yet, right? Oh, for most point, no, I don't think no. so. But Pistol Pete did it in three years with, by the way, no three point line. Correct. Now, if if Jay Will wants to have a conversation about where Caitlin Clark ranks among the greatest of all time women's players, then that's fair. I, I do think if you're talking about the greatest of all time. If you want to have that discussion, you probably have to have a, a championship by your name. But we're, but yeah. as far as it's being called great, there's a difference between great status and goat status. And come on, leading scorer all time in, in college basketball that qualifies you as, as great. I would think so. I would think so. I don't get that. So. Plenty of plenty of opinions out there where it comes to these outdoor hockey games now. Maybe it's Jump the Shark, you know, the, the, yeah. the uh, outdoor games on uh, New Year's Day and, and more of these stadium series games. You, you could debate all you want about whether or not the games are worth it anymore, but I'll tell you where these outdoor games just continue to get better and better. The arrival oh my of the teams as they walk what, into the was stadium. That phenomenal? So the Philadelphia Devils game. Yeah. All the Flyer players came out dressed as Rocky. Right. 
like when he the went gray on that sweats the with gray the towel sweats, around his neck. When he went on that iconic run through the streets of Philadelphia and ended up on top of the stairs and jumping around, they all came out dressed in that those gray sweats. Not to be outdone, the Devils all walked out wearing soprano-like sweatsuits. sweatsuits. Yeah, yeah, with the with the uh, the white t-shirts, white you know, the t-shirts. tank top t-shirts underneath. Look like a bunch of Tony Sopranos and Polly Walnuts and yeah. Christophers of the world. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. So which who wore it better? I which per- entrance was better? I personally like the Rocky. one. I did too. By the way, you know the story behind that Rocky one. You know the story behind that, where you know they come run with Rocky during the filming of that movie. Yeah, and it was like adults and everybody outran him, and then they said, "Hey, they had to cut the age group," and then they, you know, the fifteen-year-olds all outran him. And so then it had to become watch. Go back and watch it. It's all like eight-year-olds. <laughs> it is because it's it, the only guys he got outrun. Right, only because every, outrun? everybody kept outrunning Rocky. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, these guys were too fast. <laughs> when am I going to? We gotta get some slower guys. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was that part of the stadium series only continues to get better. Oh, it was the entrance was the awesome. entrances are are awesome. awesome. They they both of them nailed yeah. it. Both of them nailed it. That was good. So if you are somebody that uh, believes that the uh, NFL is scripted, here's a little bit more fuel for your fire. So the Super Bowl going into overtime the way it uh-huh, did uh-huh. and and going as long as it did in overtime, some uh, commercials ran, some extra commercials. Okay. How much extra revenue do you think CBS made off the bonus coverage overtime commercials that ran? Ooh. Um, let's see. Wow. I'm going to say... An extra $50 million. Ooh, almost. 60. CBS made an estimated $60 million off the 10 bonus Super Bowl overtime ads. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, they, good to see, uh, good to see underdogs like that. Uh, yeah. Have their ship come in like that, right? Yeah. CBS. Good, good for you guys. Good underdog. Good underdog story, like mm-hmm. major network CBS and all the money they made off the uh, Super Bowl. So, yeah, you know, those of you who uh, wear the tinfoil caps about, you know, the NFL being scripted, there you go. Was worked that part out, of, was that part of the well script? For, worked out well for CBS, a broadcast partner of uh, the NFL. Yeah. Made a lot of money, a lot of extra money, $60 million's worth. That will do it for What is Trending. Up next, Telestrator Tuesday. Mark has been taking a look at the coaches' film of some of these quarterbacks that uh, could be available for the Broncos when they draft. We've already taken a look over the last couple of weeks at J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix. Up next, Mark takes a look at Michael Penix Jr. What does the film say? Telestrator Tuesday next. It's Telestrator Tuesday. John Elwood. 
That was a bootleg pass. We talked about the cross. And remember I said how they run those crosses on you? They run those crosses, then you jump up on those crosses, and they get that post in behind you. Steve takes you into the classroom using the exclusive game film only the Broncos coaches have access to. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. Here's Schlereth and Evans with Telestrator Tuesday. So with Mark having access to the uh, coaches' film, pro and college, we uh, decided to take a look Deep dive into some of these quarterbacks that uh, could be available, probably will be available, uh, if the Broncos want to choose to to select them. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at J.J. McCarthy. We've looked at uh, Bo Nix. Today, we take a look at Washington's Michael Penix. What do you see? Um, I wouldn't draft him with your pick. You, you you wouldn't draft him with my number my first round pick. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't draft him with. I wouldn't use one of my picks on him. He's undraftable. No, I don't think he's undraftable. But I like you can have him. I'd let you draft him. Not a priority. Not for me. I, I listen. One, I hate the offense. I really do. It's so hard to evaluate. He was 27 of 51. His longest completion this was is against Michigan. Against Michigan. Yeah. So Michigan, like this is a this to me is a good evaluator. Right? Scrap pile the Pac-12 stuff. Right? And look at Michigan is going to be the closest you're going to see to NFL style football. One, he completed 27 of 51 attempts. I bet you of those 27 completions 18 of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know that you could design another bubble screen. I don't know how many bubble screens you have in your playbook, but you ran them all. Must be 30 bubble screens in that particular game. I I would hope, and he only completed 52% of his passes. Throwing, you know, having 18, 16 completions at or behind the line of scrimmage or within two yards of the line of scrimmage. Little spot route, you know, little... Spot over the center route by the tight end. Middle of the football field, you have to control in the college, in, in in the National Football League. You've got to be able to control that. Saw him miss a couple of seams that were wide open. Cover three, four verts is a standard operating procedure in cover three. Throw it away from the safety in the middle of the football field. <clears throat> Easy read, first read to target. You choose not to throw it. You throw a little hitch on the outside. Had two verts on the inside, hitches on the outside. Now just bypass a 30-yard, 40-yard completion. Maybe you you shake the tackle of the safety as a touchdown. No, I'm going to bypass that, throw the hitch route on the outside at the line of scrimmage. No thanks. And then the other thing is, like, that arm slot, that arm angle, little three-quarter arm arm. I mean, I don't know how many balls he got batted in that Michigan, in that in that national championship game, but he can get balls. He can get all kinds of balls batted in the national football. Like, I just, I, I don't, I don't see a lot what I would say is big-time transferable NFL throws. Mobility? He's got a little bit of mobility. I thought he moved well in the pocket. I thought he moved well in the pocket. But, again, he moved well in the pocket and then threw a ball seven yards over the head of a receiver on a, you know, on a crossing run. I just didn't. I did, I did not see anything in that film against Michigan, which would be, t- 
to me, the closest thing you're going to see to NFL football, unless sure. you're playing Alabama or whatever, but sure. on their schedule, the closest thing you're going to see to NFL football, I did not see anything that I was like, ooh, got to have me some of that. And you're not even taking into account his injury history. Four different seasons no. in college ending with season-ending injuries. Yeah. Again, I just, not that he's undraftable, but he's undraftable high. So, okay, if he's hanging around the fifth round. Fifth round. Yeah, I would I would go, okay, yeah, let's take a flyer on that. Really? Fifth round? Because Michael Penix, two months ago, we were talking about trade up to get Michael Penix. No, absolutely. Oh, oh you nearly choked on your no, coffee no, there. No. no. <laughs> I would just, I just would be like, hey, listen, that's that's somebody else's issue. Uh huh. And if we're wrong, if I'm wrong, great. You know, good for them. They saw something I didn't see, but I, I just don't know that. I just don't know that. I don't look at that like the arm talent wise, um, the ineffectiveness in that particular game. Um, I, I just. I don't see a lot of things that I would like a third rounder for the Broncos, especially now I'm talking about the Broncos draft and you have limited resources, right? You have a first rounder at 12. You don't have a second rounder. Then you have a third rounder. I need a, a real life football player as a third rounder. I need a guy who's going to come in and play right away as a third rounder. That's, that's not Michael Penix to me. So as you've looked at McCarthy, Knicks and Penix, the three guys who figure to, those guys figure to be there mm. when they pick. Of the three, which ones would you take? I would take the guy that plays in the most NFL style, the guy that plays in the most transferable style to the NFL, and that's Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, of those three guys. And I know he's probably the least experienced, but that's that would be the guy that I would think would transition better than the other two. Both okay. Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix. Okay. Okay, good. Well, that's why we have you look at the film. And and yeah, your gut react you were you were pleasantly you went into the JJ McCarthy study. Uh-huh. I think am I correct? Please tell me if I'm wrong. Not expecting to be overly impressed. Yeah, and nice and, with, and, and wow. came away pleasantly surprised. I just I again, yes, I thought his his presence in the pocket, his ability to throw on the run, um, his arm talent. I just, I thought all those things were, were phenomenal. And then he plays, you know, for Jim Harbaugh, where you're going to play with a fullback. You're going to run the football. You're going to run the play pass. You're going to run the play action stuff. You're going to run some of the boot keep game. You're going to run things that they run in the National Football League. Not four by one empty. Let's throw another bubble screen. By, by the way, on the subject of picks, the Broncos only have six picks in this year's draft. The, the draft Correct. that last year's draft, which was uh, ranked by ESPN, is the worst draft in the entire NFL. They had only five picks. They have only six in this one. Mm -hmm. uh, they have their own pick, 12 overall. They have a third-round pick uh, via New Orleans that they got in the Peyton trade. They have a fourth-round pick that they get via Miami in the Bradley Chubb deal. They have their own pick in the fifth round, and then they have the Jets pick in the uh, fifth round and the San Francisco pick in the sixth round. That's the Randy Gregory trade. Man, you're, you know, for a team that has holes to fill, they only have six picks. 
Which so what re- do you do? What do you what do you do then with that twelfth pick? Well, I think there's two. I think there's two trains of thought here. One, let your free agent sign elsewhere. Because yes. don't you get compensatory, compensatory picks? picks? Yeah. So uh, there would be another reason. Not only cap strap, but you know we've got cap issues. But we can get picks if Josie Jewell signs elsewhere. If if Lloyd Cushenberry signs elsewhere. We can get some compensatory picks, and then I would trade. Then I would trade down. I would trade out of twelve, trade down, see if I can get myself end of the first rounder and a second rounder, whatever that value is. That's one of the things I would do. Sean Payton, though, his history is more of trading up. If anything, he's been more of a let's consolidate picks mm-hmm. and move up, right? To uh. Go after a guy I like. Correct. More so than trade back. Correct. I love this take, by the way. This is from our guy, 1811. Watches one game, he's a bum. Ridiculously lazy take. Uh, no. Studied one game against what I think is one of the premier, well, they did win the national championship, one of the premier programs in the national football or in the in college football that translates well to the NFL and I thought he was awful. I, I think the most important thing is and, and you've said this many times before and and by the way you're not the only one that said this. You got you got people like Kyle Shanahan, pretty good authority, uh-huh. has said it's almost impossible to evaluate quarterbacks coming out of college these days because the game is so different. Yeah. Than the, the pros. The field is set up differently. The the game is just different. So to try to find those transferable skills that what you see in college, what translates to the NFL. And I you know, for the texture says that's a ridiculously lazy take. Texture, how how many evaluators you think when they take a look at Michael Penix are going to be focusing mostly on that Michigan game for the same reasons that Mark laid out? Because Michigan was the closest representation you're going to get to an NFL-style defense from anybody that Penix went up against. Yeah. You think they're going to be pouring over Michael Penix versus Cal film? Why do you think— Or Michael Penix versus Michigan film? Why do you think that guys that come from smaller schools, what do you always hear about those guys? Well, he didn't go against NFL-quality— Opponents, he played at a small school. It's an automatic downgrade. Hey, I'll downgrade Pac-12 defenses. I think they're horrible. I think that conference, with the way they play on the offensive side of the ball, where it's all spread and it's all, you know, let's just throw it around the ball yard and empty. Those things. Hey, just find my best one-on-one against your third corner who can't play. Who will never sniff the NFL? Let's let's just throw it to that guy. Like there is, there are a lot of things that aren't transferable, and I'm I'm telling you, I just I see a lot of things that would, well, that would concern me if I was in a front office. Yeah, it's one it's one game. I looked thoroughly through one game, but it was the national championship game against a team that I think has a lot of NFL talent on it. And I thought he was horrible. And I hate this. I, and I, frankly, I hate the scheme. 
I bet you I can, I bet you I counted 13 to 15 bubble screens. If you think you're throwing, if you think you're coming into the NFL throwing 15 bubble screens a game, you think you're going to do that? You are sorely mistaken. Th- that ain't going to win you. That isn't going to win you. If you think you're 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 going to throw the you're going to throw the ball 12 times in a dra- in a one drive all at the line of scrimmage and you think you're going to win. This is the same this is the same complaint I had about Baker Mayfield coming out. Uh, most hey, most accurate quarterback we've ever seen in in college football. I should hope so. Of the 30 throws you made, 20 of them were at the line of scrimmage. Bubble screen, regular screen, swing pass, middle screen. You know, you went 18 for 18 to start the game with bubble screens, and then you went, you know, you went 50% on anything beyond the line of scrimmage. In a national championship game, the longest completion you had was 12 yards, and it was at the line of scrimmage? Well, further, I mean, all you have to do is, is look at somebody like Tim Tebow, who in four years had a completion rate of 66%. Tim Tebow yeah. completed 66% of his college passes. If that doesn't tell you right there that, uh, that the college game is so difficult, please don't look at the stats, I guess, is when you're evaluating these college quarterbacks. Try to look at... Okay, do my eyes, am I watching a quarterback with the kind of NFL skills that I watch on Sunday? When I watch college football on Saturday and then I watch football, NFL football on Sunday, do I see a quarterback who looks like and is playing like NFL quarterbacks do? And and put the numbers aside. I'll, I'll leave last thought about this. J.J. McCarthy. So McCarthy of the ones that you've looked at stands out the most. But after hearing Sean Payton at the Super Bowl talking about what's important to him, processing information, mm-hmm. being able to make those snap decisions. I, I'm still in the back of my mind. Joel Clack came on with us and said, I like J.J. McCarthy a lot. I still think he could benefit from another year of seasoning at Michigan. The guy just doesn't have a ton of college football reps. Do you see a immediate J.J. McCarthy, Sean Payton type fit? For what Sean has said and is on record, heck, on record going back to when he was in New Orleans talking about yeah. quarterback prospects. The idea, I want somebody who could process, get the ball out quickly, good decision-making. Do you see that fit with McCarthy? I, I, would, tell you, I would tell you this, that I don't, I don't know, but I would tell you that for those who are saying, well, Bo Nick's process is incredibly quick, there are so many throws that are just you're not you're not running through progression. You're basically deciding pre-snap based on where your best one-on-one alignment is in some spread offense and your receivers beating that corner like a drum and you're throwing it to the guy. It it's it is there are a lot in that offense at Oregon and in Washington where it's just one read. You'll get in a four by one formation empty to the to the you know to the field side, and in the boundary you've got one on because they gotta they gotta roll coverage that way because you got four receivers on that side of the football field the width of the football field you're getting one on one on the outside and you throw it to the guy. Now, and not, by the way, they have a receiver that some people feel might even be be better than Marvin Harrison when it's all said and done. So. I, I'm just I'm just telling you I just uh, like again. 
Um, I'm not I'm not 100 sure on JJ McCarthy, but I guarantee you he probably has as many like full full field reads or or full field progressions in reads in, in the passing game than does Bo Nix or Penix. Good stuff. Tell us your Tuesday next uh, on Thursday. What does the film say? Uh, we'll start taking a look at some of these free agent quarterbacks that could be available. You'll look at the film, and we'll start with the one you like the most in Sam Darnold. So I'm uh, very curious to get your your Sam Darnold, maybe some Sam Darnold back when he was lost, seeing ghosts mm-hmm. with the Jets, to maybe what you saw a little bit of this year. Fair enough? Yeah. All right. We'll okay. do that on Thursday. 